Welcome to the Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast, where every week your hosts, Mark LaCour and Matt Bertram, share proven strategies and real-world tactics to help you connect with customers and close more deals. Let's do this. Hey, welcome back. Remember, if you want to manage your oil field operations from anywhere with rigor, online and offline, whether it's scheduling or dispatching jobs, tracking employee hours, managing equipment rentals, or inspections and maintenance, you can create, review, approve, and upload all types of field tickets and agreements securely from any device. Plus, you can generate invoices same day and run powerful operation management dashboards on your desktop or phone. No paper, no errors, no headaches. Learn more at rigor.us. Link is in the show notes. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on? It is time for another episode. And folks, I think Matt and I actually skipped one. So our apologies. We both got so busy that we weren't able to get a show out. So, you know, apologies for missing this. But today's topic is something that is dear to your heart, Matt. I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce it and start the conversation. Well, you and I were definitely talking about what we could do. And we talked about content marketing as a strategic approach to creating and sharing relevant content to support sales efforts. Content creation is something that scares a lot of salespeople, but the truth is it's very easy to do, isn't it? And there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that many times marketing and sales are siloed and they don't talk to each other as well as much as they need to. Like we talked about in past episodes, getting with your marketing team on that quote unquote homemade content that you're making or sales pieces you would like to see, that's really what we're talking about is building those sales pieces, but making them be maybe more interactive. Pushing out this content through social media channels is really, really quite powerful. I mean, people talk about like magnetic marketing or attraction marketing, something like that. That is what content marketing is meant to do is to push out that high quality content to get that know, like, and trust, and then to draw people to you because they see value in what you're doing and they see the expertise you're producing and they want to work with you or find out more. So let's talk through this from basically beginning to end. I'll let you sort of lead the conversation, but you know, if you're a company and you're looking at starting content marketing, where do you start? Well, developing a strategy is really most important. And in that strategy, you need to understand who are your target customers? What's your target persona? Who are you trying to reach? And then that will help direct what kind of content you need to create. So you got to think about like, who are those target customers? So Mark, for you, let's just like, let's like role play it here, right? So if you want, like, what are some people that you're trying to reach if you are a salesperson for an oil and gas company? Like, give me an example. I actually am a salesperson for OGG. And so let's talk about some real world stuff. So for me, I am always trying to get in front of heads of sales for companies that want exposure to the oil and gas industry. Now, I understand that my budget for podcast sponsorship ultimately comes out of marketing most of the time, but the salespeople are are an easy entry for me because they see the value of using the podcast to drive revenue really quickly. So I'm always looking for VPs of sales, chief revenue officers. That's usually my target. Okay. And so what do the heads of sales want? What are their pain points? What are they looking for? They need to drive revenue. They're measured on their ability to drive deals, to retain existing clients. 
to make sure they have healthy margins, it's the moneymaker for the company. And depending on how the company is set up, it's sometimes it's weighted. Sometimes heads of sales are weighted heavier or asked to bring in new logos more than keep existing clients happy. And in some other companies, it's the opposite. Heads of sales are asked to keep existing clients happy more than drive new sales. But all of them have to worry about both of those things. Okay, so one we're talking about, let me like restate it, is customer retention on one side of things on maybe maintaining happy customers and developing those existing customers into bigger clients. And then the other thing is if they're head of sales, depending on the size of the organization, and we're not speaking really to a salesperson, but they have a sales team under them, is making their sales team more effective, right? So their ears might perk up if they could make all their salespeople three to 5% more productive or 10% more productive or something to help them sell better. Is that what you're 100%, 100%. One of the day-to-day struggles of any sales leader is his sales team. It's called a sales team, but if you think about it, Matt, it's sort of not really a team because each person, each individual seller has their own number, typically their own targets, maybe even their own geographic or industry vertical. And so it's a bunch of individual efforts that come together. And the only way the sales manager gets their bonus or their commission is if all these individual players perform at that top level and everybody hits their number, so the sales leader hits their number. All right, so let's try to break those two target personas up and go to customer journey, right? So each person, that the, each organization you're talking to, each sales leader has basically the same goal But where they're at as far as their assets go or collateral or artifacts, whatever you want to call it, they have certain things that they're selling with. So what you want to understand is, okay, what is their sales cycle? What is the buying cycle? What are the pieces of collateral they use at each step of the sales process? And is there an area in that funnel, right, that might be weaker that we want to amplify? So could you maybe give me an example of that? Okay, let's We'll just use podcast sponsorships as an example. What are the maybe three to five steps that people go through for your ideal client when they're looking to buy? Yeah. So ideally, we have a client that has an established business that is either trying to enter the oil and gas industry for the first time or has a new product or service they're offering to the oil and gas industry. Our clients tend to be large companies. So $100 million in revenue and above is a good fit for us. They're aware that they need some help. And that's where the podcast comes in. Okay. So there's two things that I heard from you that I want to key in on. One is, and this moves to like step two is creating high quality content, but we got to know where we're targeting it. One is the big pain point is understanding and access within the oil and gas industry, and then maybe content creation, collateral relationship building to identify or to let other people know, to raise that awareness that other people know that they're working with oil and gas and they're part of the, you know, we could call it good old boy network, but that's probably not the right term, but let's say they're part of the community, they're part of the oil and gas community. That's what they're looking at at you for is, is relationships, getting plugged in, getting an understanding of the landscape, and then they need to have content that showcases their knowledge and experience, so testimonials, case studies within that area, right? So then it's assessing, do they have that type of content first? And then how do you get them involved? And then, of course, podcasts are a great way 
to build that connection. I could think of one business in the HSC space in mind of exactly how they're looking to do that. Maybe you could add something more to that, but we're looking at companies typically that are trying to penetrate the oil and gas space and then creating some high quality content to build trust in that area. So you have some ideas of topics that you've used in the past or things that have worked well for that, that might be able to be applied to other industries that want to enter oil and gas? Yeah. So you're right on, Matt. And the benefit of a sales leader working with us is we get to educate the oil and gas industry and what they do, which then naturally drives sales for them. And being able to tell that story to the sales leaders is paramount and being able to do it in a very short amount of time. So luckily for us, we have a bunch of client success stories and we've had some clients that uh, allowed us to shoot some videos. So right smack on our website on the pricing page is customer testimonial videos, which helps show a prospective client of ours, a sales leader, that other sales leaders have benefited from working with us. Okay, so there's two more steps here, just to give everybody a little bit of a roadmap. But the thing that you hinted at there is, okay, podcasts that I've certainly found are the number one way to create high quality content. For the data, people out there that like data, it's seven hours. Seven hours of someone consuming your content to produce that no like, and trust, trusted advisor effect, but people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And the magic number is seven hours. So think about sales leaders out there. Think about your marketing teams. Marketing teams, think about it. Do you have enough content to inundate prospects? If they're looking for more information, top of the funnel, or more information about you, that they can research your company. Because a lot of times before they raise their hand, you don't even know that they're a prospect. So, you know, you need to have a lot of different formats of content and you can use podcasts at top of the funnel and then repurpose that content into social media shorts. You could turn the podcast into blogs. You can make an infographic. You could reuse the videos or little snapshots in different ways. You can incorporate it into other marketing material, but you need to have multiple formats to be on multiple channels to be able to communicate that message. And really how I like to look at it is the smaller pieces of content, try to get them to the podcast. And then the podcast, you want them to binge listen to the podcast. So all of you that listen to this podcast, you probably wish we had more episodes because we're early in this. We think that And that's where the number even says seven to 10 podcasts. If you start producing podcasts is the number that you need to hit because you need to have a rich base of content that you can repurpose on multiple platforms to reach the people in the way in which they like to consume. There's different types of people that want data, relationship. Some people like to read. Some people like to watch videos. So you're trying to hit them all fronts. Yeah, it's and I want to make sure the audience understands. It sounds like we're trying to sell you podcast sponsorships. We're not. It's just this is the path that the conversation started because as a salesperson at OGGN, this is the exact same stuff I have to deal with every day to make sure that our prospects are turned into customers and that our existing customers are happy. Well, now, Matt, well, well Mark, the- you know, that's kind of why I was asking you to pretend to be a salesperson at the beginning so we can make it a little bit more that way. But I think you're absolutely right. The target persona and customer journey can be applied to any business, right? Like you just picked podcasting, so we adapted it to that. Hopefully people can connect the dots and connect this for them on what are the steps they need to go through 
internally with their marketing team or working with a consultant like us. You know, well, you know, Matt, we have time. So let's flip this around. Let's all of a sudden in this role play, let's forget podcasts and all that stuff. Let's say I sell pipe in the oil and gas industry, which is a Perfect. commodity. Okay. So if I'm selling pipe, there's a million people also selling pipe. And most of the buyers buy on price. So whoever has the cheapest pipe usually wins. Well, that low price leader is not a happy camper even when they win the deal because all it takes is one mistake and all of a sudden there's no margin left. They're upside down. So if I'm a pipe salesman, I want to do the opposite. I want to educate my buyers on why they should buy from me even though my prices are higher. And the reason that you might want to buy from me is because I could do things that are important to your business, such as maybe I can give you just-in-time delivery. When you're running a rig, something like just-in-time delivery is worth a fortune because you're not taking up valuable space with pipe laying on the ground that's not being used and vice versa. The job isn't waiting on pipe to be delivered. So if I was a pipe salesman to separate myself from the commoditized pipe people, I would have something different. In this case, I would say I could do just-in-time delivery, which people will pay a premium for. So in that scenario, we would want to create content on explaining what just-in-time delivery is. We'd want to create content on why that helps drive projects to be completed on time and on budget. And which also means we would create content on why we charge a little bit more, but it allows the clients, the buyers to excel at their jobs. Yeah. So these are actually great lead-ins here on kind of two points. So what you're talking about is your unique selling proposition. So everyone should have a unique selling proposition of what makes you different. We're talking about creating additional value beyond the price. What are the things that you do above and beyond? How do you differentiate yourself Think about it like this, like brand building, elevating your brand is super critical. I mean, if you think about what Nike actually makes the tennis shoes for and what they sell for, or even like think about all these bottled water companies, okay? They're bottling water. They're all trying to find a unique selling proposition of why their water's different and how they're marketing it up like a thousand percent. They're selling the brand, right? Fiji's like, hey, we get water from you know volcanoes in Fiji and we ship it to you and this water tastes better and everybody else has their angle. I can know like Dasani's owned by Pepsi, I believe, and all they're doing is bottling municipal water and they're selling the brand. It's actually cheaper than even putting the carbonate and the flavoring in it. They're just selling brand and they're selling distribution channels and they're pushing that. So you gotta think if you're commoditized, how do you break out of that And how do you highlight what you do better or different? Maybe you have a better distribution channel, maybe, you know, all the things that you shared, but also you need to identify with your salespeople in the sales funnel. There's, you know, awareness, action, decision, like steps, like the sales funnel, maybe I'm missing a step, there's four steps, but essentially like people are in the awareness phase, they're the evaluation phase, their consideration phase, and then the purchase phase, right? And so in those four steps, where are your salespeople struggling and where can you help build content on the marketing side of things to give them pieces to show? Like I'll give you one quick example, right? Getting maybe your CEO or someone well-respected on the technical side to do a byline article and get it published in Oil and Gas Investor Magazine or You know, for us, we do a lot of things with business companies. So I have articles in Forbes on Entrepreneur and Inc. and all that sort of thing. And being able to have my salespeople take that article on how long does SEO take, for example, and they can show a peer review vetted 
article in Forbes, that's a very strong sales piece for them to be able to point to and have to support that step in the conversion process of do y'all know how to do SEO, right? Like, so it's figuring out that sales funnel, that customer journey, and then plugging in those unique selling propositions in those pieces to open up that channel to get them to that next step. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Before we end this discussion, I want to do come back to the correlation between content creation and SEO, but let's stay on the route of I'm a pipe salesman and I'm differentiating myself. So some of the, the content that I could create as a pipe salesman could be simple videos shot on my iPhone, right, Matt? Talking about how we're different and why people want to work with us. Yeah. I mean, again, you got legal depending on the size of your company to deal with, and you certainly, the marketing team like wants to see that stuff and you might want to ask, like record it and then ask for permission to see if it works, where they can maybe clean it up. They could clean up the sound. They could put bumpers on the front and end of it. And then they might even be able to use that for other salespeople across that channel. But as a sales manager, you want that kind of information, that homegrown information on your phone. Here's a data point for you versus a really nice professionally done video there's three times more trust and three times more engagement on posts that are original. People want to see the behind the scenes, like action shots and what's going on. And they want to get to know who you are. I've worked with a number of sales teams that we actually roll that up. And then it becomes a bigger idea for the marketing team to help even support you better than what you're doing and build a campaign in that area. But you can use your phone. If there's good articles in the newspaper, you want to share that with your marketing team. Anything that you're using to sell that's not the company approved stuff, if you can bring that into your marketing team, if it rolls up to the sales directors and then they share it, there's a good chance that the marketing team can find a way to roll out a objective or a strategy or a campaign to better support you with company collateral. We did this in the pharma industry a lot. We would take like a white paper that was a peer reviewed published journal. And then we would make the sales material real glossy, make good infographics that popped out. That was easier to explain the storytelling that you're doing with the customer on a one-to-one level. Yeah. So I wasn't very clear. What I should have said is when working with your marketing team, don't think that you have to have high-end budget videos. You literally, by working with your marketing, you can shoot videos on your iPhone, make sure you have decent lighting, decent audio, and that's valuable content. Because a lot of people out there think content creation means hiring a bunch of writers and professional videographers and everything, and that's not true. And then you could take that same video, work with your marketing team, have it transcribed, and now you have a blog post. Yeah, so the last thing that I'll say, there's two quick points. One is what people are looking for is really just an answer to their question, right? And if you define that customer journey and you can help get them from point A, point B, point B to point C, point C to point D, point D to like whatever buying from you, that's what sales collateral, that's what content marketing is meant to do to just support you and build content where you're weak. So you really wanna map it out. We all know promotion, there's all kinds of ways, paid ads, social media, email marketing, you know, SEO, any, there's all those ways to promote that. But what you want to do is analyze after you push that out there, okay, to see what's working and having those listening tools and those analytics. When we worked with pharma companies, okay, they would have a iPad and 
they would click around the sales activity and we would see heat mapping where people were focused on what areas, what infographics they were using, what pages they stayed the most time on. And then that data, certainly you can do it online, like you can do it even from a one-to-one sales strategy, collecting that data to help inform the marketing team on what more material that they need, because you're just trying to tell a better story to explain that situation, to get them to the next point, to ultimately getting them to buy and close them. So marketing is absolutely your friend. Data is absolutely your friend. And it just helps you speed up the sales cycle. Content marketing can be ways to bring you new leads, move them through the process, close them, and then even keep them more. And it's just other touch points. We didn't even talk about, last thing, promise, retargeting. Retargeting people is like pens and pads. We all, you know, want to get all our swag in, in front of clients and have it laying around there. Well, display ads and ads on different social media platforms, if they've engaged with your website or engaged with your sales material, if you've got them to a page, then your marketing team can help be those digital pens and pads and billboards to continuously remind them about your product to hopefully get them to take action, call you by or whatever your steps are. Yeah. And it's really interesting, Matt. So you touched on something that I accidentally ran across years ago when I started at Modal Point. So if anybody follows me on LinkedIn, you know, on Thursdays, I throw up an old video. I call it Throwback Thursday. The videos are so old, I still had hair. And those videos were simple. What they were is I wrote down every reoccurring question I got with Modal Point from prospects and clients. And then I would shoot a video answering that question. And I have hundreds and hundreds of videos going back 15 years. And there's a lot of those are still valuable today. And those short videos drove so much business. That content that I created drove so much business toward modal point that we started ranking when people search for things like oil and gas sales experts. So before we get out of here, I do want to touch on the fact that if you, you can combine an SEO strategy with your content creation, because your content can be structured a certain way that allows you to rank for certain either key phrases or keywords, but it's still your original content. So it's almost like being able to use this content you're creating to accomplish multiple things. Yeah. I mean, FAQs, frequently asked questions, even on Google, my business profiles, if you're a local business or someone's coming into your brick and mortar, really, really important. But also those long tail key phrases of those specific questions that you get asked over and over again, what Google's trying to do is show the best possible answer to solve the problem for that person so people come back and use Google again. So if you write content and you really answer that question well, where they're going to get their question answered and move to move on to the next whatever questions in their head, that's what Google wants. And so if you can structure your content in that way and speak to it with, again, the authoritative, eat is expertise, authoritativeness, and trust, you're going to win the search. Rankings are going to go up and you're going to help convert people. But those are even the same questions that you should be pushing out on social media. Those are the same questions on your podcast. Like if those are commonly asked questions and you know people are going to get that, why not get them further down the funnel before you talk to them, right? Like I think that that's the goal of content marketing is to support the sales conversation, to move them closer to buying faster, right? Yeah, 100%. All right, so we got to start winding things down. We don't have a product to review, which, by the way, people, if you have a product, think of something gadgety like Matt and I review, let us know. We're happy to use it and then tell the audience whether we loved it or didn't love it. If you want to connect with us on any of our social channels, all of our links are in the show notes. So either scroll up or left, depending if you're on Android or iOS. 
We have our insiders group we're still working on, so stay tuned for that. And then it's time for our LinkedIn fail or tip of the week. I think last time you had a tip. This time I actually have a fail. So we've all gotten the LinkedIn in-mails where it's obviously it's boilerplate, where people are just using technology to send the same email to thousands of people. I got one, Matt, that was even funnier than that. So I got a boilerplate inbound on LinkedIn, and it said, hey, open parentheses, first name, close parentheses. Like whatever technology they were using, they didn't take the time to map the first name to my first name. So instead of saying, hey, Mark, it had said, hey, first name. Well, that's obviously not a real individualized reach out, right? So people, if you're using technology on LinkedIn to do mass amounts of contacts, make sure at least you understand how to use the technology so you don't have that type of obvious fail right smack in your face. I would just add to that, Mark, is a lot of companies out there are kind of the spray and pray, like spamming people aspect. I believe it hurts your overall brand. This is really the equivalent of the guy that goes to the networking event that just pushes business cards on people without even finding how they can help the other person. People don't care what you know until they know how much you care or something like that. Like you need to connect with them first. You don't just spray and pray with this. Like it sometimes works, but it really is a degradation to your brand. You want to send a very well-researched, well-thought-out emails to build a good relationship with somebody to foster a business connection, right? Like that's just not the right approach, in my opinion. We just get so much noise these days. You know, LinkedIn is certainly noisy, but I think if more people will use LinkedIn in the right way, it'll become a great platform. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about our mixer. So we had our industry mixer where our proceeds goes to fight human sex trafficking this past Thursday. And we had a phenomenal turnout. And Matt, you were generous enough to show up with your videographer and your photographer. Our next one is going to be April 27th, Thursday, April 27th, right here in Houston. We'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. It's a few dollars to come. I think it's 20 bucks, but we give you food and alcohol. We do it. It's really cool venue that has drilling simulation equipment in it. It's just a safe place for everybody to get together. So if you want to join us, our next industry mixer, we will have the link in the show note. And if you come, come find Matt and I, because we'll be there. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to talk with you. All right. Remember folks, make a difference and not a sale. Check us out next week for another enriching and cheeky episode of Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.